Cerca di contrastarlo Juan Jesus, il tocco di Esciarawi, cerca il colpo di tacco, attenzione Nainggolan, riesce a mantenere il possesso di palla, palla sulla destra verso Bruno Perez, avanza Samir davanti a lui, ancora Bruno Perez cerca spazio, il tocco è arretrato è per Strottman, lancia in area di rigore per Nainggolan, tira go, go, go! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. As always, I'm Roma Press Production and Content Editor James Goodison and with me is Roma Press Editor John Solano. It's almost three days since, but the excitement of Roma's 3-0 hammering of Chelsea is still lingering. We'll discuss that as well as preview Roma's match at the weekend against Fiorentina with a notable Fiorentina fan and football journalist Chloe Beresford. John, Roma versus Chelsea. Um, I think that anyone who's listened to the podcast long enough would have um, listened back to the moment when we found out that this was actually going to be our group and uh, and heard us despair. But we've come out against the champions of England with four points over two games and one of them in quite a convincing result. What did, what did you th- make of uh, the game on Tuesday? Um, wow. I'm still really lost for words. It took me a while to sort of process all of it. Uh, so kind of glad we're doing this a few days later. It's uh, very, very exciting. Look, um, we all know Roma aren't exactly um, covered in Champions League glory. We, you know, we've all, we're all aware of how poor they've done over the years. It took me, you know, I had a glance back at some of the more notable victories you know, obviously, you have the the win at the Bernabeu um, over Real Madrid. Um, you you know you had the Bayern Munich win uh, roughly six seven years ago. But my oh my, this this is certainly one of the better ones because James, I don't know about you, but that the, the final scoreline in my opinion was actually very flattering to Chelsea. Uh, it could have been four or five to nothing in my opinion, maybe even more if you think about it. I mean, Chelsea was, were. Yeah. They, they, you know, they paid awfully. They, they were terrible. And, you know, a lot of people are going to, going to dismiss this. Um, you know, you uh, Roma maybe got Chelsea at a good time. But, I mean, I, I, I laugh because I, I tweeted out a picture from a, a pretty, pretty popular uh, Lazio fan forum. And one of the fans said, aside from uh, Hazard and Conte, there's not a single player in the Chelsea 11 who would make it into their into their starting 11 which is absolutely hilarious but nonetheless um it it just sort of shows you sort of an outsider's perspective as to how this chelsea team is looked upon but james i mean you you follow english football far far more than i do but i mean just on paper i mean this this chelsea team is better than roma they just are oh yeah without without question without question um i think that obviously there's a lot going on at chelsea behind the scenes i think which uh could contribute to this um to this result I do think that Roma got Chelsea at a very lucky time but I think that one thing two things I want to bring up actually the first one is Chelsea played absolutely abysmally and the clip that floats around most on Twitter afterwards a couple of my friends sent it to me over uh, direct message and things like that is that chance where Dzeko takes all three of Chelsea's centre-backs <laughs> and then Perotti I cannot believe 
he missed that chance. He bottled it. Like, oh. I cannot... But think how much better that clip would have been if he just put that into the top corner. I just... I can't get... I just can't get over the fact that he missed that. But the clip really sums up how badly Chelsea were playing. I think they really missed Kante. Um, and I think Roma got them at an opportune time. But we have to remember as well that I think Roma are quite... You know, Roma aren't... Um, aren't unfamiliar with bottling stuff either right and i think that these sorts of games you just have to and i think more the game against chelsea and stanford bridge you just need to think about how the mentality perhaps has shifted for roma and a lot of people on twitter are saying it and i agree as well i think that totti's retirement does have a lot to do with that and um i think that spalletti moving on and, and this young di francesco coming in i think that I think that there's a positive outlook for Roma. And we're only, you know, a couple of months into the season. It'll be interesting to see what sort of this team's final form is in a, in a year, you know, 18 months once Monchi's had a couple of transfer windows as well. But to to be top after playing Chelsea twice, Atletico once, and effectively only needing a draw from our last two matches, one of them being against Carabag to progress into the next round of the Champions League, that's that's pretty special. So great result. Um, I think a result that Roma deserved, and also because I think they deserved it last time out when it was three all, but they just they just couldn't hold on for it. But so it's really good to to get those points on the board. Um, I'm a little bit wary about Atletico still, and Quarabag seem to have upset the odds uh, a little bit since we last played them. But, um, you know, I'm fairly confident that we'll be able to see Roma going through into the knockout stages, which is great because, you know, that's that's really where they need to be aiming for, and no one really expected them to get out of this group anyway. So, um, so overall, great result. And I know that we talk about Chelsea playing, you know, poorly, but I think that some of the individual performances on the night from Roma um, really need to be, you know, heralded. Dzeko, again, just playing that fantastic sort of target man. That knockdown for the first goal for El Shawari, sensational. Absolutely sensational. El Shawari himself, absolutely incredible. Uh, I think Nigelan absolutely ran the midfield. Great to see him back in the... Um, he did get called back in to the Belgian team as well. But he I did. don't know what Martinez is doing with that sort of thing. Um, but great to see him go back into it because uh, I think you tweeted, John, but I do agree this is probably Belgium's best chance of a World Cup this year. So, yeah, it's great to see him back in. Overall, some really great individual performances because I can imagine there's a Roma team, you know, out there, to, you know, over the last couple of seasons that if they been set out in that game i'm you know i say over the last couple they of seasons, lose and they yeah, get hammered they get hammered or they lose or even with chelsea playing so badly they like they scrape a, a one-all draw and it's just not good enough you know similar to how uh we played against manchester city and drew to all and man city were really you know not that good at all really bad uh, but we just couldn't get the result. That That's the kind of performance you'd normally expect to see from Roma. So the fact that they were so clinical and got it out of the way 3-0, I think that th- think that's a great result for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, and for me, one of the better performances really was Florenzi. He was fantastic against Hazard. He didn't allow him much. I mean, other than uh, the first couple of minutes when he hit it straight at Alisson when they could have equalized almost immediately after the goal, um, he really didn't allow him much. I, I was really surprised that 
Chelsea, the way Roma were pressing, I, I'm shocked they didn't try and hoof some more long balls. That I thought Conte's approach was all wrong, but but nonetheless, I mean, we, we can't take anything away from this Roma and. That that performance, the result was just incredible. And if you look at it now, I mean, I'm looking at the 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 table right now. So each team has two more matches left. Roma are at the top. I mean, really, if you think about it, um, they just need to get any sort of result against Karabakh or Atletico. Um, I mean, even a draw in one of those two, and they're on. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for people who are listening and can't consult the table right in front of them, Roma are top with eight points, Chelsea second with seven points, Madrid have three, and uh, I believe Carabag have two. I think that's right, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, Carabag have two. Yeah, because they drew against Madrid, didn't they? So, so yeah, effectively, they have, you know, they're five points ahead of Atletico Madrid, six points ahead of Carabag. I mean, a, you know, a draw would probably see them through. Um, and this Atletico team seems in all, in all sorts of misshape at the moment, really, don't they? So very confident that they'll be able to get through. Obviously, another point, though, is some of the teams who are uh, loitering in second place are quite, um, quite dangerous just by me. Yeah, I, to I agree. With them. Uh, but I mean, you you know, you have to. Who who knows what can happen over two legs? So we'll just have to. Uh, I agree. To wait so and see. so to wrap this up, then, do you think they advance? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't. I don't think. I think that. I think that they have a really good chance. I I don't. I don't imagine we won't be seeing them in the in the knockout round. I I would agree with you. Um, I'm very very wary, um, uh, just because I, I can't envision Atletico uh, continuing this poor form. Uh, they're not playing well in the league. They're not playing well in Europe. Um, you sort of just feel like they're going to awaken at any time. But listen, I, I mean, they have to go to London and get a result, which. For them to have any chance, they obviously have to win both of their remaining matches. So, A, they have to beat Roma at home, and then they have to go and beat Chelsea on the road. Um, I, I don't think that's very easy. I, I mean, we saw what Roma have done. Um, we saw what Karabag have done against them. So, you really have to like Roma's chances. I do think they will advance. As to whether they finish first or second, I don't know. Um, I... I I'm hesitant to say that they'll get a result um, in Madrid, but w we'll see. I, I certainly think they'll beat Carabag at home, but um, I'm on board with you. I think they'll advance, and I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that they're actually going to finish finish in the first position, um, and then they will uh, they'll leave their chances as to who they get drawn against in the as to which team they draw, whoever finishes second. But like you said, there are a lot of good teams that are currently sitting second in their group. So I'm not, even with them finishing first, um, I'm not um, sort of counting on them to advance um, past the first knockout round. But we'll see. I mean, nobody expected this. So um, it really is like the old saying, you know, uh, anything can happen. Very true. 
Roma travel to Tuscany this weekend to face off with Stefano Pioli and Fiorentina. To help us preview the match, we'd like to welcome Chloe Beresford to the podcast. You can find Chloe on Twitter at Chloe J Beresford, and you can find her work on The Sportsman as well as Football Italia. Thanks for joining us, Chloe. So, Chloe, Fiorentina are coming off a bit of a poor result against Crotone. What kind of Fiorentina team could we expect this weekend? Um, I think they were they were forced to make changes against Crotone because of um, injury, and they played Benassi in the midfield, and he he'd been playing more in the front three, um, and I think it it will be a more of a they'll be more of a settled team at the weekend. Um, it's they're a very young team; they're just getting used to. Um, playing together and I think any slight change and it, it kind of messes everything up again so I'm hoping that they will have settled back down and you know they'd won three in a row before that and I'm hoping that it will be more of that side we see rather than last Sunday's side yeah so they weren't great last Sunday um, no <laughs> but one one player who I find really interesting just because um it, it, it was a bit odd because, I mean, obviously you can attest, um, they went a bit of a revolution this summer. Yeah. Um, they, they got a little uh, more youthful, so to speak. But they added um, Terio from uh, Udinese. Um, yeah. Now, he's the leading scorer. He's a little bit of a question mark this weekend. Um, I, I guess... He's always one of those players who he always seems to burn the big clubs and then he seems to go missing at times uh, against the smaller ones. But, how, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this more so than anyone else, but how important is he to that team? I think he's vitally important. I think um, at 34, he brings some experience to the side. And he, you know, as you say, he's been doing well. He scored four goals and two assists in it for eight appearances for Fiorentina. So um, I really hope to see him back because, you know, um, Simeone up front, uh, he puts in a lot of hard work, but he's, he's still not quite the finished product. Um, and he, he really benefits from having Terrio there, I think. So, yeah, I think he's been a real shining star in this new uh, Fiorentina side. Now, another um, sort of another guy that, you know, everyone has had their eye on is Pioli. Um, he had the divorce with Inter uh, last season. And I know you were a, a pretty big critic of Paulo Souza. Um, mm -hmm. What what is the biggest difference between the styles of play between those two managers? Um, I mean, just my opinion, aesthetically, Fiorentina play much more direct, um, concrete football now as opposed to how they were with Souza. Yeah. Um, the most glaringly obvious difference is um, a settled formation and a settled lineup. Uh, Paulo Suzu used to change both of those things on a weekly basis, and the players were just they looked lost and confused. They didn't have an idea of what the system was or what what they were trying to do. So, you know. We've, in, over the summer, we've lost a lot of quality players um, and you could argue the ones that have been brought in are, are not as good, although, you know, a lot of them are young and, and will progress. Um, but P 
Pioli is is then brought in. He's settled. He likes to play four two three one, and he, he likes a regular lineup. And I think, especially because it's been a new side, they've benefited massively from that. And the the way they play, you know, we've had some up and down results, but at least the fans can enjoy the football again and you know, feel like they're learning something about the team rather than it constantly changing and you've got you watching it and you've just got no idea. Um you know, it was it was it it just killed my enjoyment of watching football <laughs> under Paolo Souza really. <laughs> I I can absolutely understand that having watched uh, many poor managers in Rome. Um yeah. so Roma obviously coming off a big, big result, big performance. Yeah. Um I in my opinion, this is a um, the definition of a trap match uh, for Roma. What what do you think Fiorentina um, are going to look to exploit most? Um, I guess where do you think um, what part of the pitch or something that Roma do? Where are they there for the taking at? Um, I think I think man for man that obviously Roma are a lot a lot better than Fiorentina um, I think it'll be a really tough game even though like you say it it, it could be uh, or what we say in England after the Lord Mayor's show um, with Roma having done so well in midweek um, but um, I think that the the best way for Fiorentina to exploit Roma would be on the break if you know if Florenzi and uh, Kolarov push up the fullbacks is uh, very quick uh, and he might be able to on the break run onto a ball if 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 they've just left themselves a little bit thin at the back. Um, but I I do to be honest see it being um, quite a tough match. I think I was reading before that uh, Roma have won eight out of the last ten against Fiorentina. So we don't we don't historically do that well, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, sorry, last question. Uh, Fiorentina brought in a lot of young players this summer, um, a lot of whom I am just a huge fan of. Yeah. Um, Simeone, obviously, being the big one. Um, who was your favorite that they brought in? And who is going to be, in your opinion, um, going to play the biggest role? Um, I think... Having lost Gonzalo Rodriguez and uh, Borca Valero in the summer, they were real leaders in the team. And I think, for me, you can you know you can make replacements all over the pitch, but those those players, those leaders, and the the players that fans can identify with, the real heroes, are the ones that are really difficult to replace. Um, Gonzalo Rodriguez was for me the most important person. He was a rock in the centre of defence and. Um, it was going to be so hard to find somebody that was would would be that person. Uh, but in has come German Petzeller, and I'm actually very impressed with him. Um, he's he's shows a lot of similar qualities to Gonzalo, um, but he is only 26. So I think you know for the future, I think you know he looks less error prone than Astori. Um, who you know, I'm not always 100 100 con- convinced by. <laughs> that <laughs> as makes you two of probably, us. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, pet seller for me. I, I I really do. I really do think he's going to be good. Brilliant. Well, Chloe, thank you so much for joining us again, everyone. You can find her at, on Twitter at 
Chloe J. Beresford. Chloe, thank you so much. Looking forward to a good match. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's all for this week's Roma Press podcast. Make sure to subscribe. See you next week.